The Bible is filled with stories of people having divine encounters. We see this in the Bible. We see this throughout church history. We've seen this in our first reading from Daniel. Here, Daniel is having this vision of this great judgment. Uh, other places in the Bible where you see these divine experiences are like when the angel appeared to Joseph or when uh, Cornelius had a dream asking him to send for Peter, or Peter had this, this vision of a sheet coming down from heaven. St. Paul had this experience when he was on a ship about to be wrecked of an angel coming to him and giving him directions. We see this again and again and again throughout the scriptures. And also, this happens regularly throughout church history. Now, the great Saint uh, Teresa talked about that she could go to any one of her monasteries and easily point out two or three religious sisters who'd had divine experiences, experiences of God coming to them. If you talk to a priest or anybody else who's done much spiritual direction, this person also will attest to that fact, that this, these occurrences, these divine experiences are not rare. They happen. They still happen. Scripture and church history takes for granted that the Lord is alive and active in the affairs of men and women. So if these experiences are not rare, if they're common, they happen regularly, then you and I should know, should be well-equipped with how to respond, what to do. What do you do? If God comes to you, tells you to do something, you have a divine experience, how do you respond? Today, we are celebrating the Feast of the Transfiguration. And in this experience, three of the apostles, Peter and James and John, have a divine experience. They see our Lord transfigured before them until he's gleaming white. They have this divine, beautiful experience that surely changed them, affected them. It's this great gift uh, that they experienced, you know, would have maybe changed the way they looked at the Lord. It's this, this narrative is a great opportunity, a lesson, if you listen carefully to what's being taught in it, about how to respond to a divine experience. What do you do? How do you respond? Well, it's helpful in looking and seeing first about how the disciples responded and how it affected them. You know, one of the big temptations when you have a divine experience is to give in to the temptation of pride. This is a great gift that the Lord has given. And it can be very easy to say to yourself, ah, look at me. God came to me. He spoke to me. That means that I am somebody great and wonderful and special. But actually, if you look at the experience of the apostles in this transfiguration or other experiences, having a religious experience, having a divine experience doesn't particularly make you any better. Those three disciples who experienced the transfiguration, they walked away from that without any noticeable change. They, didn't, they still had questions about Christ, didn't really quite understand him fully or his mission. They didn't really you know, have too many changes. They would still fall away later, abandon him at the cross. Peter would betray him. We don't see a lot of changes that took place after they had this amazing experience. 
So having a religious experience doesn't particularly make you any better. St. Teresa says that it doesn't, doesn't constitute sanctity. It doesn't also make you holy and better in any way. St. John of the Cross, a doctor, teacher of the faith, uh, he's told spiritual directors that they should explain that how one act of charity is more precious in God's sight than all the visions and communications possible. He says, how many are those who have not received these experiences and are incomparably more advanced than those who have had many of them? Look at the scripture, the two most important commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. It doesn't say anything about having any sort of uh, private revelations. St. Paul, great teacher of the faith, of course, he said this, And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. He's saying that all of the amazing, astounding revelations and experiences in the world are nothing compared to one action done in love. So this is all to say that having an experience of God while it's beautiful and wonderful and surely is a gift, it doesn't particularly make a person better. But that is a temptation sometimes. It can be very tempting. Uh, Pride can be very tempting, and it makes you easy pickings for the enemy. In fact, you know, it can be very easy to, out of pride, misunderstand what God was saying to you. And cause great damage. And so really, you need to be careful about this whole temptation of pride and not trusting yourself too much. You know, the apostles, when they experienced the Lord transfigured before them in gleaming white light, they didn't understand it. They didn't know what it meant. Abraham, when God came to him and spoke to him about becoming the father of many nations, he didn't quite know what this meant or how to take it or what to do. So he thought what God is telling him to do is to go and get his servant girl pregnant because of this. And it caused all sorts of problems. He misunderstood what God was saying. You know, the devil likes to take what God's saying and twist it around. And it's really easy for us, even in our own, you know, failings to, because of our desires, perhaps we misunderstand things and go in a wrong direction. Think about Eve. Now, God had told Adam and Eve, given them certain commandments. Then the devil came along, kind of twisted those around a little bit, and persuaded Adam and Eve to sin, to turn against God. Look what the devil is doing with our Lord Jesus in the desert, trying to take the word of God and to twist it around to his own purposes. And so while these divine revelations are not rare, deceptions and misunderstandings and confusions, those are not rare either. Think about all of the movements and denominations of people that have been started because a person says, oh, God came to me and told me this and that and this other thing, and so you need to follow me. We need to start a new church, a new movement. And so all this division has been brought into the body of Christ because of pride. Those folks may very well have had divine revelations, but perhaps they they misunderstood them in, in some way, and it caused division. So 
I would warn that if you have a divine revelation, remember first in humility that this doesn't particularly make you any better. Yes, it's a great gift to thank the Lord for, but it doesn't particularly make you any better, any holier than anybody else, and it can be very easily misunderstood. So be very careful. It's a great gift, yes, but be very careful with this gift. Be careful about how you are to respond. So how should you respond? Those are, that's the ways not to respond, right? So what's the right way to respond? Well, we learn the right way to respond to a divine revelation and encounter with God in this account of the transfiguration. The disciples have had this amazing and wonderful experience seeing our Lord transfigured. And what does our Lord tell them to do with it? I'm sure they were super excited, right? They wanted to probably like tell everybody this amazing experience. But what does our Lord tell them to do with it? He says, don't. He says, wait. He says, don't tell anybody. Wait until after the resurrection. And they didn't even really know what that meant either. They didn't really understand what the resurrection was at the time. But he said to wait. This is the way, the proper way to use, to receive a divine revelation. To, to receive it from the Lord, it's a great gift. Thank him for that. But then don't run off. Don't start a new denomination. Don't make any huge changes in your life. Wait. What does waiting do? Waiting allows you to grow in humility, in patience. It allows you time to discern. You know, St. John of the Cross, great teacher and doctor of the faith, he thought it was someone who simply sits around and is just, uh, you know, obsessed with this divine revelation that they had. They're preoccupied with this. He said it was a waste of time to do this. He said instead of being preoccupied with a revelation that you've experienced from God, that you should make good use of your time, like loving God and loving your neighbor. He said that this time of waiting allows for this detachment to take place. Instead of clinging to enlightenments and clinging to visions, this is an opportunity of growing in simplicity, of growing in humility. He would say that instead of running off and telling the world what took place, use this time of waiting as a time of discernment, of taking in good counsel. And he says that you do this through the church. You could go to your confessor, to a trusted spiritual advisor. This is the safeguard against error. So if you're going to use this divine revelation well, he would say, you know, go use this time of waiting to go to the church. Because the great thing is, the good news is, is that our Lord is not going to tell you one thing privately and then speak to you something the very opposite through the church. He's not going to contradict himself. He said that he would speak through the church. Remember our Lord, before he, before he left this earth, he promised the gift of the Holy Spirit to the leaders of the church, to the church as he was setting this up. He said that the Spirit would guide you into all truth. He said to the apostles, to the leaders of the church, he said, whoever listens to you, listens to me. In other words, he was going to speak through the church to guide people into all truth. 
And so if you're hearing one thing from God privately and you bring it to your confessor, to a good, you know, holy person in the church, your priest maybe, your bishop, who's telling you something opposite, should you go by this private thing you heard or should you go by the church? So St. John of the Cross and other saints would say you should go by what the church is saying because God's not going to contradict himself. He's not going to say one thing to you privately and say something differently through the church. This is our guarantee of truth. This is our safeguard that the Lord has set up for you and for me. St. Teresa, also a doctor of the church in the 1500s, she was so confident of this truth that she said this. She's like, if you go and you bring something to your confessor and he's obtuse and he's resistant to what God is speaking to you, that you're telling him, uh, the Lord, if it is the Lord, he will make your confessor to recognize that it is him. But if he doesn't, then you have no further obligations. St. Faustina, uh, the Divine Mercy Saint in the 1930s, said something very similar. Uh, she once told the Lord, she's like, Lord, if you tell me something, uh, and then, you know, the, the priest tells me the opposite, then I'm going to listen to the priest, she said. This was in humility. And the Lord, you know, approved of this. He's not going to contradict himself. He's not going to say one thing privately and something else through the public mechanism of the church. This is our safeguard. This is the purpose of taking time to set aside these divine revelations, a time to grow in humility, a time to seek discernment through the church, to know what you're going to do. That way, you're not taken aside by this pride. If you're, if you're submitting something to somebody else in the church, that's an action of humility. That's an action of obedience. That's the opposite of pride. This safeguards a person from misunderstanding, safeguards a person from the devil, twisting things all about, keeps us together, uh, moves forward the mission of Christ to heal the human family, bring us together, unite us with the Father. This is what St. Peter was talking about. You know, in kind of reflecting back, we heard about this in our second reading. In reflecting back on the transfiguration, uh, many years later, he called this a prophetic word made sure. Meaning if you take your time to grow in humility and detachment, to discern with the church, instead of going out there and, you know, making some big changes because of that divine revelation, this is a way to make the prophetic word more sure. So what St. Peter uh, teaches us. So divine revelations, experiences of the Lord, his calling, his voice, these things are not rare. They happen uh, quite commonly. Uh, however, pride and confusions and misunderstandings, those things are not rare either. So the Lord has given us uh, the church to help us during these times. He teaches us through the transfiguration in humility that the gifts are given from the Lord to set these aside until the time is right, to be patient, to discern. Uh, this is a beautiful message, a beautiful gift that we get through uh, today's feast of the transfiguration, how to respond to a divine revelation in a way that's good and wise and healthy, that God may be glorified. Amen.